Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 16, I want to say that uh, the morning's title, which was not in the bulletin, uh, was this is a brother-sister message. Both of these are new to me, but they're brother-sister messages, uh, unintended, by the way, but God intended. And so I prepared these different times, but yet they, they complement each other. And our brother, sister, in their content and in really the theme. How does, uh, this morning was, how does God keep a Christian from evil? And I hope you got out of that whole thing. And if you, in secret, are doing that which is pure and right and just, God will, in his wisdom, he will deliver you from evil. That doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. But those bad things that do happen to you, they'll be more precious than gold that perisheth. The trial of your faith. And even though in the middle of that trial, you're not saying, oh, this is wonderful. You're not saying it's wonderful. I had gal for 23 years. And I can't tell you the suffering involved in that. I'm glad it's over. But I learned stuff that you could not know except you had it. And the other maladies that God's given me, you couldn't learn another way. God's good all the time. If there was another way, he'd do it. But sometimes you just got to use tragedy, loss of loved ones, pain, business failure, cancer, to help you learn something that's going to be eternally true. And if you trust God, he'll, and if he takes you home, it's like the old boy said, what's the worst thing can happen? Go to heaven. I know nobody wants to, the process of death is always a mysterious thing. I personally think you ought to pray that God takes you quickly and takes you, I tell you, my, my favorite prayer is God take me with the big one in bed at night and I just never wake up, just the angel comes in, taps me on the shoulder and says that you're with me. And I go, yes, sir. And uh, that's my favorite way. I've only known in all the years of this church, I've known a couple of old boys die that way, but I was jealous. I don't care. Much that. One guy died at 60, and man, I was jealous the way he went. Laid down, took a nap. Laid down, take a nap, gone into heaven. Yeah, that's old Bob Sandsmeyer. And old Dick Carr didn't go much too bad. He just stood up, fell down, and next morning I have to go to heaven. So as I stood beside some of these people, I had mercy. I said, Lord, that, this, this is it right here. I want to do this right here. He says, uh, you'll go the way I want you to go. And I say, yes, that's it. Rapture. I may looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Amen. Oh, my. I like the rapture. I want to preach on that tonight, but I'm not going to. There we go. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. Moses sent to the, Moses sent to the Lord. And burning bush. Let me give you a background. Burning bush. In the middle of a arid, dry, uh, I was talking to Brother Morris, who lived out in the high desert up in California, about those fires. How in the world could it happen? He said, it is so dry 
that a piece of glass left on the ground will start a fire. Because the sun will hit it, prism it, and it's so, it's so dry, boom, it'll, it'll clip a fire, he said. It can start from a bottle being thrown out of the window. You know, a bottle of prism. By the way, they warn you not to leave these uh, bottle water, waters a bottle in your car. Show, I showed a video where the sun came in, prism that thing, and started a fire on the front seat. Take that. I saved you tonight. Where's coming? But I mean, we're in those kind of climates out there where you got like zero humidity almost, and you're you've been tinder dry, and you got those those uh, those round things that roll around on the ground, uh, tumbleweed. Man, them things are like gasoline running around. And so uh, I say all that because when a shepherd boy like or shepherd man, about 80 years old at this point, Moses saw that burning bush and it wasn't consumed. Hello, brother Morris, you've seen them them tumbleweed. Boom. And then they're done. But that burst just kept burning. And that would get anybody's curiosity who'd been out there for 40 years. He knew, he knew the place. So he goes up there and God says, take your shoes off your feet. The ground which you're standing is holy. And so he begins to, uh, God begins a conversation with him. And they, God wants him to go and free the, the people that he knew very well very well, being 40 years raised by Pharaoh and all the education and wisdom of Egypt, he knew very well what God meant by that. He knew that this was not going to be no easy project. This is a superpower. And they're not going to let their free labor walk out the door. But God says he will. Here's, we pick it up, verse 10, in verse, chapter 4. And Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither there hereto nor since, Thou hast spoken unto thy servant. And you may want to underline from this word on, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I've got a speech impediment. The title of this sermon tonight is God loves to use the handicapped. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, Moses, easy Moses, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And you know what that means. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be a spokesman of the people and he shall be even, shall be unto thee instead of a mouth. And thou be to him instead of God. Through the years, I've heard a lot of excuses on why not to serve God. I'll be honest with you, some of them were creative. I should have written them down a bit more, bit more than I, more better. How do you like that? God will even use somebody who says more better. But none of the excuses are adequate. Just like Moses' excuses weren't adequate, Moses in this passage uses five excuses to try to squirm out of doing God's will. 
Now, here's the crazy thing. First of all, you get the privilege to talk to God like face-to-face. That's big. He tells you, take the shoes off your feet. You're unholy. That's big. Then when he asks you, you're burning this bush, by the way, the whole time it's not being consumed. And he tells you who he is. He tells you to go back and free, which you know the horror of the people that you just left 40 years ago. And you've not done a thing for them for 40 years. They've, they've been in misery. And so God says, I'm going to go. You go back to Alcenia. And this guy sits there and argues with them. He literally argues with God. Five strong reasons why he said, uh, you got the wrong guy. Now, first of all, God knew who he, what he was doing, where he was doing it. If he had any faith in God, you'd know that this, you're going. You're going. When God, when God says you're going, I think you're going to go. You can go like Jonah. Or you can walk on your own strength. Uh, let me give you some of those things, Number just to go through them. His first excuse was, I'm a nobody. I've heard him. Who am I? Which really means I'm not worthy to be called to this wonderful calling. That's found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He says, who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh. So he tells God, I'm a nobody. Really, you need to get now. And he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He understood them in and out. He had spent 40 years being educated in who Jehovah was in some degree and humility. Got a big dose of humility. And uh, instead of marrying one of them uh, clean-shaven Egyptian women, he married him a full-blown shepherd girl. And there's a lot of difference between those two. But, uh, you know, so... He comes to God and he says, I'm just not, no, no, who am I? That's that, what I call false humility. You've seen it. I'm not worthy. to be. If God said you're worthy, God made you worthy. Amen? I mean, you'd be like Brother Tom saying, I'm not worthy to be a bus captain. It's just too high a privilege, so I'm not going to do it. We'd all look at him and say, that's his terrible excuse, Tom. But he wouldn't do that. This is, is, is ludicrous that he would say that. The second thing is, he says, what, in verse 13, what, what, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? So his excuse is, I don't know enough to tell them to do this. So he, he accused, he's beginning to attack the very character of the one who's calling him. Number three, he says in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Behold, they will not believe me. Or if I may reword that, they will challenge me, and I will not have the right answers. How many times have folks said to me, I don't go calling because I'm just afraid I'll be stumped at the door. You know, they're going to ask me a question. I won't be able to answer it, and it'll be a horrible thing. Well, let me tell you, if those people are going to hell like the Bible says they are without Christ, and you give it a shot, I think a shot is better than no shot. In other words, going by and stuttering your way through the gospel is better than no gospel. The fourth one is, he says in verse 10 there, oh, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm not eloquent. He says, in essence, I do not have the gifts needed to do the work for you. You know, you've heard us say this, where God guys, God provides. If he tells you to do something, he's going to supply everything you need to do what he's asked you to do. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be apparent to you. And he doesn't owe you a bunch of personal security that you feel like, you're. oh, yeah, well, I got this. No, no. It, most of the time, God does what they call a surfing hang 10. 
He puts your toes off the end of the surfboard. I mean, it's life and death. You know, is he going to come? Lord, better be now. But he'll come. He'll come. He'll help you. The fifth excuse, uh, he basically says, by, by him, who am, uh, who's, uh, whoever you choose, the hand of him whom thou will send. So he says, send someone else. Just send someone else. Now, that's amazing. What if God, let me ask you a question on these five excuses. What if God listened? What, what would have happened had he listened to Moses? I mean, history would be changed. I mean, think of what Moses, let's just go to Moses himself. Think of what Moses would have missed. He would have stayed out in that old nasty desert and lived the rest of his life out with some old stinky sheep and died in oblivion. Nobody would have ever known what happened to him. Nobody would have cared. He would have never impacted the world for good the way he has the law of yeah. He never knew the thrill of seeing God work. Let me tell you, I've had a lot of thrills in life, but there's no thrill like seeing God work. Brother, when you see God work, it wants to make you jump up, and, and, and even if you can't jump, it wants to make you jump. You get excited. Uh, he would have never experienced being in the presence of the creator of the universe. If I got my numbers right, I think Moses spent two 40-day periods in Mount Sinai, you, you Bible scholars help me out, and two of them, two of them, spent 40 days with God Almighty in some sort of face-to-face -face fellowship. I think that was a, a Christophany, but what? And people say, oh, that I would just be, oh, that God would just appear to me, or God would just let me see. How about 40 days? And the beauty of it is, you didn't have to eat. Have you ever been doing something so much fun that you hated to stop to eat? I've, been, I've done it. I've done stuff that's so exciting, I don't even want to eat. Man, if you haven't been involved in something that exciting, why, you're missing out on something. This brother had something to do so exciting, God took his hunger away from him and gave him enough ability to go for 40 days for a night. Well, that had never happened. So he'd lost all that just because he didn't say, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Now, God wasn't, I mean, put his hand in his, turn, it was leprous, put it back, throw the stick down, become a serpent. By the way, it ate the Egyptian serpents. That takes a while. Snakes just don't eat each other like dogs eat their food. Do you ever bother you about dogs? What bothers me about dogs? Don't tell you what bothers me about dogs. They don't taste their food. You get that gourmet, you put ribeye in that thing. I know some of you do. You put ribeye in that, and they just go, boom. The horse sat down just like that cheap stuff. But a pig tastes his food. So I just want to know that's why I have pigs instead of dogs. But anyway. Man, he'd have never known all that good stuff he saw. He'd have never known what it was to, to speak to a rock, see water come out of it, or hit a rock and have water grow. He wouldn't know any of that. He wouldn't know any of that. Uh, 
you and I risk losing phenomenally wonderful things that God wants you to experience if you'll say yes to him when he comes by. Think of it that way. Don't think of it like God needs help real bad. And, 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 and he needs help so bad that he's asked me. Don't think of it like that. Think of it like God loves you. He loves the socks off of you. And he wants to show you that he lives. And he wants to show you that, that there is something beyond yourself. And that this life is bigger than just, you guys are going to kill me with these two things. And this life is bigger than, uh, than just getting up, going to work, uh, making a few dollars. The little bit of profit you got, you pay back to Uncle Sam and then you do it all over again next year, it's bigger than that. Life's bigger than that. God's got an eternal purpose for us. We're his, we're his children by the grace of God and born again, and he wants to help you. And, but you've got to trust him enough to say, I'll do it. Uh, Tyler, not, came in. He lived with me for three years. And one day he said, I want to talk to you. I said, oh, he had done that many times. He said, I want to talk to you. And he came in my office. I shut the door. And he started weeping. Now, I hadn't seen Tyler cry in three years. He's not that, boy, not that kind of boy. He said, God's called me into the ministry. Now, some of you may say, oh, Tyler, not in the ministry? Oh, oh, brother, that's easy. But Tyler's just got to keep saying yes. And I warned him and gave him some heads up about some of the future that he has as God called him. But you know what I told Tyler? Do what he wants you to do. I didn't tell Tyler, I don't think you're real academic. I think it's going to be really tough. I didn't tell Tyler, you don't have any money, you're busted. I didn't tell Tyler, uh, you know, you, you can do something else just as good. You don't have to do this. I said, Tyler, do what God wants you to do. As crazy it may, as it may sound, do what he wants you to do. Just do what he wants you to do. And, and follow on, and he's got great things. The root of the five excuses of Moses was simply selfishness and insecurity. And let me tell you, those two things will keep you away from the blessings of God Almighty. Selfishness and insecurity. <clears throat> A sense of self-protection that you, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm going to get hurt doing this. Uh, any weightlifter will tell you, no pain, no gain. You start lifting weights, want to get big. You got to suffer. You got to resist and suffer. How do I know that? Well, I didn't want to show you, but that's why I wear loose clothes. <laughs> you don't think God's things are much different than that. God's things, He's going to cause, it's going to be some pain serving God. It's going to be some pain serving God. But the pain is going to build muscles spiritually. And those muscles spiritually are then going to begin to take you further than you ever thought you could go. You'll be able to do things that you never thought you could do. And you'll be able to actually almost, you'll be doing something for God and almost have an out-of-body experience. At Easter service we got that God opened up years ago, and you'll look out there over 1,500 or so, maybe even up to 2,000 people. And little Billy from Elkhart, Indiana, a rebellious teenager that, that was uh, out of the will of God so far, I didn't think God had helped me, and I'm out there preaching. I almost want to pinch myself. 
and say, God, how in the world? I just want to start saying, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. If he can take a kid like me and do something for good and, when, you know, let you preach the gospel, the most glorious thing ever, he can help you. That's why he helped the people he helped in the Bible so you and I won't get discouraged. We go in the Bible and say, well, if he helped them folks, he can help me. That's right, he can. God loves to use handicapped people. He used Moses with a speech impediment. He used Saul and Gideon. Both of them uh, were, you know, one was from a runt nation and a runt tribe and a runt family. I did that for Nick back there. And, and, and it's right, that's right. This is 1 Samuel 9, 21. Nick, it should be a memory verse. And then Judges 6, 15 through 16. Both Saul and Gideon. Both mentioned, oh, Gideon said, uh, uh, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor. The, we're the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house from a little. So it was a, a runt family from a runt, a, and a runt from a runt family and a runt nation. Something along those lines. <laughs> if you're waiting till you get qualified, you're never going to make it. God uses you small. He starts small, works up. He don't start big, work down. He starts small, works up. Be faithful in a few things. And then he can make you ruler over other things. Nobody in business would do that. Nobody in business in the right mind would take a young guy and promote him up in management over everything. You got to work your way up to where old Charlie is in that business. Now, Charlie's worked a while to get to where he's at. And anybody that's ever had management positions, it takes a while to get to those places. God wants to do that with you. He'll start you in something small. And, and, and he may keep you the rest of your life. That'll be great if it's his will. But whatever he starts you in, just keep doing what he wants. What's ahead of you, just keep doing it. If you have an opportunity to do it, step forward. David. Man, David, you know, he was, he was the youngest of seven children, if I got that right. Or was there eight children, and he was the eight. Well, anyway. Seven. I think it's seven children. He was the youngest. You know his older brothers looked better than he did? Yeah. His older brothers looked more kingly than he did. Remember I talked about this morning how people judge from the appearances? You know there are people that actually look executive. They actually look executive. Some of them people walk around. They could be, they could be president of the United States, get on Air Force One. I mean, they look like they belong there. Me, I always felt like I belonged in a junkyard somewhere. That was old junkyard dog for Jesus. But, you know, it takes all kinds, doesn't it? It takes all kinds. Lots of different kinds of people there. But uh, anyway, we, uh, you, yeah. David, he looked at him. He looked at his brother. He said, this is a guy. No, he's not the guy. Like this one. Oh, he's got to be the guy. No, he's not the guy. You got anybody else in the family? Yeah, we got this, you know, this little punk out there taking care of the sheep. But pfft, send for him. When he walked in the door, the Holy Spirit said, he's the guy. Anoint him. And I bet they all went, what? First of all, that creates some sibling jealousy. I can tell you that straight up and down. When the baby gets anointed above the older brothers, I would have loved to have been a mouse in that house that night. Maybe not. But this is God's pattern, New Testament. His disciples were a group of ragtag 
as I mentioned this morning, motley old group of folks, backgrounds like fishermen and tax collectors, ordinary, uneducated people, working class folks. Those are the ones that God chose to put to, to, to set the world upside down, to get the gospel to every creature. He chose Paul, who of his own admission, in 1 Corinthians 15.8 says, I'm born out of due time. Simply means stillborn. 1 Corinthians 15.9, for I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not meant to be called an apostle. Ephesians 3.8, unto me, oh, I'm less than the least of the apostles. Is this grace given? What grace? That he could preach unto the Gentiles. Wow. He can do that with you. You know, I just, I'm afraid that some of you folks hold yourselves back from some of the greatest things, God's, because you have fears, you have insecurities, and God forbid that you're just so selfish, you don't care about your neighbors. But if you do care about people and you do want to do the will of God, jump into the ministry, get your hands on it, don't take it off till, till they pry, and this is a favorite statement today, your cold, dead fingers off of God's plow. Amen. I probably told this story too much, but we'll do it again. Dick Carr. How many remember old Dick Carr? Oh, Dick Carr. I was there when he died. I was there when old Dick took his last breath. His 80-year-old man took his last breath. You know that's a high privilege? No, I'm not morbid. But that's a high privilege. You figure there were people there when Dick Carr took his first breath. And I got to be there when Dick Carr took his last breath. Old Dick Carr was a godly man, loved the Lord, wanted to do the right thing, memorized scripture, got saved at 60 years old. 60? That's over the hill. And old Dick began to memorize the scripture. Some of you remember him getting up here and quoting some of the Psalms. And you know how he'd do it with joy and just love the Lord, you know, and just lived his life out by the grace of God, just one step at a time. He, He'd, say, he'd call me Willie, one of the very few people. He'd say, Willie? Uh, Don Woodard and him were the only two people. They, they didn't know my name. It was Willie. Hey, Willie. Hey, Willie. And, and you know, they were much older than I was, so I, was, oh, I didn't mind him calling whatever. God will use anybody. He was a lineman, got saved, led numbers of peace, people to Christ. Oh, Don Woodard, when he died, we filled over 125 people showed up. I preached on John 3:16. 12 people raised their hand for salvation at Don Woodard's funeral. That was because of Don Woodard. I mean, the Holy, of course, the Holy Spirit, of course, explained it. But I mean, Don Woodard and his work for God got him to that funeral. You just step forward for Jesus and use what God's put in your hands until he says do something else, and he's going to bless you. He'll be there for you. God's not looking for a bunch of talent. God's not looking for some professional. God's not looking for somebody that, 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 is, that is beautiful to look on and every hair in place and all that other stuff. He is looking for a willing heart that will do his will uh, and, and, and maybe have a stuttering problem or maybe have uh, other problems. But you say, I'll just give my problems to God and do what he wants me to do. God be for you. Who can be against you? God's not looking for all that stuff that the world looks for. Now, he uses people with those abilities. Yeah. Yeah. But oftentimes, in spite of those abilities, not so much for them. God's not going around begging for help. He knows. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills, too. He wants 
you to partake in the kingdom of God. No greater privilege of, than to be part of the process of the kingdom of God. Man, he's looking for humility and selflessness and contrite and broken spirits and opposite of a self-assured, proud individual. He's looking for the least, the smallest, the little, the unable, the non-confident, the weak, and the base. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at verse 26, 29 there. Uh, a, a classic place, a profound wording of the Holy Ghost there as he puts this together uh, where it says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for you see your calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many, that's twice in a row, not many mighty, third time, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things, the weak things of the world, to confound the things that are mighty. And I love it. You know why I like this passage? Because I feel included. <laughs> and the base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? The answer is found in the next verse, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God loves using the people with inabilities, people with uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, temperament troubles, all kinds of uh, personality conflicts and troubles. God will use them if they'll just humble themselves before God and say, I'm not much, Lord, but whatever, what I have, I'll lay on the altar and I'll give it to you. And you'll be shocked at how God can take that one little seed and grow a full tree. When I moved out to my five acres years ago in 1999, 2000, uh, it was just full of palmettos and pines. We started planting trees. So I started buying trees. And I bought trees for $10 a piece, $5 a piece, $25 a piece, uh, depending on how big they were. We started planting them. I, my goal was to plant 100 oaks. So I planted oaks, planted oaks, planted oaks. I got oaks everywhere. And uh, once in a while, an oak will have an acorn. An acorn a squirrel will grab, and a squirrel will go, and they're God's planters because they plant it just perfectly two and a half inches deep. They'll go down and plant that, that thing, and, you know, one in each cheek. They'll spit one of them things out, and they take their little hand down there, and they push it. <laughs> this will teach you how to plant something. Compress the soil around the roots, right? They'll do this. Look around because they don't want you to see where they put that. And it... Quit looking at me. And, uh, you know, I mean, they do. They look at it. Quit looking at me. If, I told my wife, you keep looking at that squirrel, they're not going to bury that. And uh, <laughs> that's true. And so they'll go around, and pretty soon I saw, I, I, was, I had all these oaks I paid for, and I saw just a little sprout coming out of my grass, and it had that oak leaf look, you know. And I told my wife now, I, I, well, I saved this. So I went out and got bricks and put it around. Now, we're talking something that big, you know, and then put bricks around it and, uh, we had Wilma come by. Guess what happened to the oak trees? Well, because you buy them and they're in a pot and you, and you put them in, they don't root right. And psh, they fall over like they weren't even planted. I mean, they'd been there for years. So, so I got my truck four-wheel drive, putting them all back up, putting them all back up, putting them all back up, boarding them and everything. And they regrow. It don't kill them. But I thought, that's, that's, that's pitiful. 
and 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 uh, and so then this this little seed pretty soon is about this big around, you know. Pretty soon it's about that big around. Now that thing's probably about maybe about this big around. Went through that storm, no problem. Wow, why? It grew from a seed. And the roots on that thing are so much better than the roots of the ones that were potted. And so what I learned is the potted plants never can duplicate the depth and the, the holding power, if I'm going to put it that way, of a seed-growing plant. That's wild. I've watched that enough at my house to tell you it's so. And that's what God wants to do with us. He'll just take a seed. We're nothing. We're nobody. We're just a spot. We're a fire ant among a whole bunch of nests. And, and, and God says, I want to do something with you. I want you to do, I want you and me. You can be married. You, you can be single. You, there's no occupation in life that is that righteous, at least, that God won't use and, and help you. Brother, God loves the handicapped. Consequently, God loves you. And consequently, he'll use you. I sure hate to see you miss out on being used of God because of some, some misunderstanding of where it's at. Think of Moses when you, when you get God to whisper in your ear. Think of Moses. Think of Moses. Don't give God too many excuses now. But when it all came down to it, you got to hand this to Moses. He said, I'll go. I'll go. And he did. And he did. Look what he saw. How would you like to have been there on the, on the Red Sea? And he raised his staff out there and that thing. The wind came and some wind blew all night. The Bible said, and that thing piled up on both sides. Some believe, I believe Gregory McMurtry says he believes it froze, that God froze the water and it became a wall on each side. Frozen water makes sense. If God froze that thing, and then early in the morning, those two, two and a half million people made their way across there. By the time the Egyptians got there, it was, the Bible says the sun was right, was up and it melted the ice. The ice broke on the Egyptians. The whole thing was, and they saw the bodies of the Egyptians on the shore. Never fired a shot. And you know, if God's people in America would, would just humble themselves before him and do that which he's asked them to do, God will take care of our enemies. Why do you think we won World War II? Why do you think we won it? It was God. God saved us in World War II and World War I and all these other wars. God saved And if we're ever going to be saved, it'll be saved by him. By his people, which are called by his name, just simply obeying his will and doing his will. And the light of it is beautiful. Will you serve God? Will you do what he asks you to do when he comes by? Man, you can't ask any more than that from anybody. Old Tyler, when he said he wanted to go to college, came over to my office again. And he said, bro, I'm scared like I've never been scared in my whole life I'm scared. I said, oh, that's healthy. Well, it wasn't healthy to him. He thought that was the worst feeling he'd ever had in his life. And I'm sitting there as an old-timer looking at him and go, ooh, that's beautiful. Because God will take that and do something with it. And, and he'll just get scared, but trust. And he did. He's up there. ABC going to school. And they pray for him. And all those kids that go to school. There's all kinds of insecurities, but God, we're just going to ask God to help them. Father, you come tonight. Help us do your will. Help us not to go through this thing called life and miss out on the opportunities that are laying all over the place. 
to be part of the kingdom of God and part of the building of the kingdom of God. Help us, Father. Save folks. Birth them into the life family. There'll be one here tonight. Say, Brother Bill, I have a heart that is broken tonight, and I'd love somebody to pray with me. I'd love you to come forward at invitation time and just say, I'd like to pray with somebody. And in a room in the back, lady with a lady, man with a man, pray with you. Maybe you make this old-fashioned altar at the front. Maybe that's just something that God will help you with. I can tell you this. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is as spiritual as you're going to get. If God asks you to do it, do it. You come, Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-947. One, two, eight, five. Thank you and God bless.